Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. I've just been thinking about this uh, tearing down statues, and we had this story about renaming the town of Columbus. Ah, yes. Of, and I was going through all it's the... It's problematic. Is that the, the term people use? Yeah. yeah. Problematic. Um, I was thinking about, why don't we take some of these really dumb names we've got in towns and cities all across America, mm. and then there's way too many of them, and you know, why don't you rename them something that says what you want to say, and maybe that's the way to go about it. There are 288 Fairviews in the United States. Too many. Got a fair view from up here. I think we'll call it Fairview. This view is fair, as in pleasant. There are a gazillion Greenvilles. There are a million Springfields. There are 36 Centervilles. I mean, you talk about bland names. You can't all be Centerville. Now, while one of them is fairly famous, there are also like 30 Oaklands. A lot of Oak on this land. How about, how about we call it Oakland? I like it. That's Strong. a good name, Clem. This burg is filled with pits. What should we call this town right by the side of the river? Hey, I don't know. Hey, Jim in the back, you I'm got an answer? St- I'm stymied. There are 26 Riversides. There are 24 Ashlands. There are 23 Oxfords. Nobody's fording a creek with their oxen. Let's come up with a better name. And it doesn't have oh. to be a Confederate soldier. Make it Ray Romano. I don't care. But let's just come up with better names for our townspeople. Hilltop. That's that's, that's just sad. Yeah. Yeah. I used to joke growing up in the Chicago suburbs that every single town was. In fact, I should probably just come up with a map. Hang on. There's no reason to make this up. Um, Stand by. Now it's a little different the wonders than of the internet. It's a little different than uh, your because all those things usually were true at the time. It was at the top of a hill. It was next to a lake. It was in the center, so you called it Centerville. As opposed to all these suburban communities where they throw up three hundred houses that look exactly alike exactly. and call it Riverside Estates, right, and there ain't no go. river within fifty miles. This is this is where I grew up: Oak Brook, Elmhurst, Glenview, North Brook, Highland. Park. Uh, let's see. Bowling Brook. Crest Hill. Orland Park. Tinley Park. If I Oh, there's Carroll Stream. There's Glendale Heights. There's Villa Park. There's uh, the Hinsdale. There's Willow Brook. And your complaint? Burr Ridge. No, it's it's all that sort of name. You have Pleasant Hill, Hilldale, Dale Hill, Riverdale, <laughs> Dale Dale, Riverdale, Riverdale, River River. river, river. <laughs> Stay out of Riverdale. Hilltop Riverdale Greenton. Yeah, Pleasant Meadows, <laughs> Meadow Hill, Hill River. So Just- you're naming your town and you think... Can we call it after uh, old Sam Johnson's farm was here? Let's name it after him. No, no, no. The other towns would look down on us. We need to be a dale or a brook or a park. We got two choices. Riverside or Jefferson Davis hates black people. (laughs) I guess we'll go Riverside. (laughs) Riverside it is. The motion is carried. Robert E. Lee was right. <laughs> it, it is, it is, oh Lord, it is hard to justify Columbus. Uh, yeah, well, Columbus, Ohio, especially. Because all of, like the, the murder and the genocide, is that? Oh, well, is that, just, just, why, why? Why? Even, there even are plenty of explorers. A, even if he was a good dude, what, what's the, in the middle of Ohio, what? what? I mean, he discovered the Bahamas. Judy and I went there. We drank a lot. We may have, uh, you know, had a little marital fun. We went swimming. Is that where you slipped on the boat and fell? 
Uh, that was the Virgin Islands, okay. which is right next door to the Bahamas, more or less. They're all crammed in down there, South Florida. Yeah, that's where I almost killed myself on a boat. You'd had a drink, hadn't you? Oh, a drink? <laughs> yeah, three or four at least. Although I will tell you this. It's slippery. Could have happened to anybody. It was steps on a sailboat. Momentum. Were, there was <laughs> too much momentum. And there was like no non-stick or no, uh, what do you, like. Uh, Grip tape of some sort. Right, exactly. There was nothing grippy. It was just plastic steps. And man, my feet were wet. I went, booms that slid to the bottom and got all cut up and oh. and banged up and bruised ribs and oh, I was oh. bleeding like a bleeding guy and but you kept your drink up because that's the way we always I do. did not oh, you oh didn't? ruined the damn day it was the second to last day of the vacation thank God because I uh it was the only time I almost passed out from pain the next day I sneezed and I went oh. down I went down on the ground bruised ribs are not fun well and and you've had broken ribs right oh yeah a couple I can't times. imagine the anguish because just bruised were, and I tore some cartilage and stuff in my rib. Yeah, if you area. got broken ribs when you feel a, a sneeze coming, you think, "Oh, jeez." No, no, anything. But Please that, don't. Ah! Please don't. Ah! <laughs> Terrible. Uh, it was a good thing because up till then we'd been having a hell of a good time. That's our twentieth anniversary oh, trip. Wow. That was a long time ago. You're a younger a man. Ago. I was. Fall like now to, to kill you. It, it would have done me more serious damage. Yeah. yeah, I was a little bendy and resilient back then. <laughs> No, so I don't so go much. to places like the Bahamas. I go to Riverton, Glendale, Hilltops. S- here's some more. Streamwood, Woodstream, <laughs> Valley View. Uh, let's see. Did, was there a time in American history where we need to have every town named by Friday at 5 o'clock? <laughs> Pick it's a local a, geographic It's feature. a new law. We have to have all the names in place by 3 o'clock this afternoon or we, we don't get to keep the town. Exactly. What do we it, have around here? We got a nice park full of maple trees. Boom! Maple Park, Illinois. Because it seems like they were in a rush. Now, how Mooseheart got its name, I don't know. Or it's because people didn't go anywhere. <laughs> you don't want to know. No. <laughs> it's because people didn't go anywhere and you just had a horse and it took you a day to get to the next town or whatever. What, yeah. do you, what should we call it? Who gives a crap? I've lived here my whole life. I've never called it anything but town. Here. I'm going into town. We call it here. <laughs> Call whatever you want. What do you have? Well, we got that hill over there with that big boulder. Boulder Hill! There it is, <laughs> Illinois. Actual town in Illinois. You, you go. got Plainfield as well. That They were not excited about their place at all. What do you guys got? Anything? You got any crates? Everybody was very literal back in the day. <laughs> I would say. You guys got any streams? You got a nice hill. Surely you got a hill in your town. No, I'm sorry. No hills. Well, look, you got a field over there. The field is, uh, well, it's, 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 well, it's kind of a plain field, isn't it? Boom! Plainfield, Illinois. That's if you got a field. If you don't have a field, you have to call yourself something flat. How's the view? Is it a great view? It's pleasant. (laughs) It's a pleasant Pleasant. view. I mean... It's all right. I wouldn't give you a nickel for it, but it'll do. (laughs) I'll give it a two. So one more topic briefly. Um... Speaking of things being problematic, Sean, I find your T-shirt problematic. What's it say? It's it's a Pink Floyd. It's a modern trend that I do not approve of at all. It's what I can't Comes see. straight out of pre-worn jeans uh, and pre-worn guitars. Pink it Floyd is Rainbow a Pre-worn theater. concert t-shirt from a concert you did not attend. In fact, I have it on good authority. You weren't even alive when that show uh, was played. Uh, the math checks out, but uh, it's, it's it's a good shirt from a good band. What does it say? Pink Floyd Rainbow Theater 1972? Yeah, that's London, right. London, England. No effing way you're at that show, you liar. No, no, but I was at the Target that was selling this shirt, yeah. and I bought it for 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah, see, it used to be the only way you could conceivably have 
that T-shirt as you were at the show. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was a cool thing. I mean, your concert T-shirt collection was a thing of pride. Now yeah. it's, it's the modern disposable world. I got more concert T-shirts now from bands I've never seen than from those that I do. Yeah, I was amused to see you in your Metallica T-shirt on Friday. <laughs> yeah, I got busted on that. Did you hear that? No. Dude out here who's a huge Metallica fan Uh-oh. said, Go, your favorite Metallica song. I said, I don't know any Metallica songs. He was really not thinking that was cool. Mm, I wish I'd been here to join in the verbal abuse. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. Um, He could have gone with Enter Sandman and he would have laughed at you. Man, I wish I'd been here to yell at you. I I really don't know Metallica. Um, uh, You just needed a black t-shirt. That's a cool looking t-shirt. So wrong. So wrong. If you told me that you were rolling old folks for their for their purses, I'd be less disappointed in you. Sick. You know what I find interesting is when uh, the trend of clothing that just has a year on it. It really doesn't have anything on, going right. on, but it's got a year on it. And watching the years change as I get older. Because I, ha- I remember having shirts that had like 50s on it. Maybe seventies, but now I see them, and they—it's just humorous at my age to see you know college girls. This is nineteen ninety six or something. Mm. I, was, I was around in ninety six. I was a full grown man. It was just wasn't that big a deal. Yeah, it wasn't that notable, <laughs> really. Anything that exciting, but yeah. yeah. But I—I I wonder. But the fashion people must know how many years earlier it has to be to catch young people's attention to seem kind of like a cool like a nostalgia nostal- window thing yeah like, because it isn't nostalgia for me it's just you know and i was on my third job at that point <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. exactly <laughs> well the car i had then sucked you know that sort of thing it's not that big a deal i had two kids and a lot of bills 96 seems to be a big year for like college kids high school kids wearing clothes is that right for some reason i have no idea why huh. i suppose yeah. we'll start to see 2000s here before it before you know it though sure yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, if your you're cool a gap, 16-year-old girl. Yeah, your Gap t-shirt will say 2004 on it. What? <laughs> part, of, part of aging, I guess. I guess. Septic Tankville, Ohio. <laughs> Drive through there fast. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. You mean I personally have to have multiple personalities? No. You need six different personality types to exist in your workplace to have a functioning workplace. Ah. And they're talking about, like, not a super great, ah, I, lo- I love work more than home, or it's like my family. I mean, it's not, you know, Valhalla sort of workplace. It's just to have a comfortable, I'm okay with this job workplace, you have to have six personalities, apparently. Mm. What if you got, have... like, a four-man shop? I guess you're screwed, huh? You better <laughs> hire a couple more people. You have to have at least one of each of the following six people for anything to work. First of all, the worrier. The worrier is the person who looks down the road and is pretty sure he can see <coughs> trouble coming. Mm, never vigilant. Eh, I, I, that's funny. This is this is, this this sounds right. You need these six things, like in a marriage, you just come out of two people, right? But uh, yeah, you need somebody who's got to play the role of a worry. Worries about this stuff. Hey, what somebody, if this happens? Yeah, somebody needs to. We got to be ready. That's right. That's yeah, that's good. good. You know, to my four man shop thing. Obviously, you have a person play a couple of roles. There you go. Uh, you need the don't. like uh, you could play twins. I always like that when people play two roles in their twins in a movie. That's so entertaining. It's always not fun. at all jivey and stupid. What, Michael? Um, it's always fun. It is, isn't it? But you also need the don't sweat. Look, it. in that day, he's got longer hair now. 
Now he's got the short hair. Again. Ooh, the, ooh, the goatee. He's, That's he, how you, he's the evil one. Now you can tell. Right. Anyway, I'm, I'm never going to get through my six personalities. <laughs> the other personality you also need, which is not surprising, is you do, you need a don't sweat it person mm-hmm. there to tell everyone, take a deep breath. It's all going to be fine. Not a big deal. And here's why. So you need both of those. Yes. Obviously, if you got too much of either one of those, you got a real problem. You need a gas pedal and a brake jack. Wow, that's good. Thanks. Uh, this is where the stirrer comes in. Mm. Stir. I prefer my shaking not stir. You. <laughs> He's there to put uh, everyone on blast. The nice thing about him is that he cares a lot about fairness and maintains a perfectly calibrated BS detector, but has no respect for how long meetings are supposed to be. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, uh, everyone loves this dude during a PowerPoint because he's virtually guaranteed to derail it by quibbling with item three of 20, then complain about how useless the meeting was afterwards. <laughs> That's funny. It's um, like everybody in this room. That graph doesn't make sense. So why do you need the stir? Uh, so I think uh, slightly get somebody to say the emperor isn't wearing new clothes. Okay, that makes sense. Are, are we sure what you're saying is true? Are we sure that graphic five shows trending sales? Right, yeah, like, I get that. The loyal opposition, as they say in Britain. This is pretty good, too. And I've worked in places that don't have this, particularly when I was younger, and it sucked. You need the party animal. That's devoted to fun at work or afterwards. You need oh, the no, person. No, 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 no. We need to stamp that out. And I've I've been amazed as at places where they didn't have this, and I'm not. This is not my personality, so I'm not good at it. But you need the, and it help. It's better if it's a woman. You need the person that says Thursday five o'clock drinks at wherever. We're all doing it. You need that person that does that stuff. Happy hour at shenanigans. You want to be there? Super Bowl party this Sunday at my house. That stuff is so valuable, and I don't think management understands that at all. No, <laughs> that role. Oh, my God. The places that I worked that had the most cohesion and we all felt like we were in it together and, you know, you'd pick up slack for each other, all had a lot of that going on. 4.30 Friday, every Friday, case of beer, conference room. Loved it. Super productive workplace. Man, everybody just knocked it out of the park every single day. Then hooted and hollered and laughed every Friday, and usually we go out after that. And your stupid current manager would think you'll have sexual harassment and people will be driving drunk. All right. Well, you know, it worked for like 200 years fine. Well, it worked like better than anything's ever worked in history. Yeah, I worked at one radio station. This was one of the top radio stations uh, in Kansas City at the time. Q104. Man, it was the hot radio station. And uh, it was regular like that on Friday in the afternoon. Beer would come out. And that place made crazy money. Um, the beer would come out and people have just... Yeah, you need that, but you don't have that anymore. And that's why uh, work is drudgery, and you, you don't know the people you work with. So you See, assume you hate them, and then and, and you can't wait until it's over so you can just die. It seems like <laughs> de-stressors or decompressors were almost kind of included in the work experience before I got into it, where I, <laughs> right. I, I have to seek those things outside of the work boundaries. Right. But there, I, I can absolutely understand the value of having just those pressure release valves in that same building where the pressure is built up in. Well, and, right, and the other thing is you realize, wow, that guy's actually pretty cool. Right. I like him. I really is maybe his job and mine we butt heads a little bit, but he's a good dude or a good gal or whatever and or maybe you realize, you know, I don't really like him, but the, the, you know what? They're a pretty good person. God, that's some of my favorite places at so many at so many different uh jobs I had um where where that sort of thing was going on. It was just freaking awesome. 
It's gone away in the modern era with uh, HR and all that sort of stuff. And then and, need, and freaking lawsuits. And lawsuits, right. As always, it gets back to the lawyers. And then <laughs> that snail drinker that we learned about the other right, day. From 1928, was yeah. it? <laughs> Chick got a little uh, snail in her ginger beer. Oh, uh, boy. Um, and then the, finally this. Don't forget the humble stoner. She pops <laughs> her head up to prove to you she's there and that she's absolutely not been listening. Huh? What? It is the stoner, <laughs> not the party animal, who reminds us all that life exists outside the office. She is the portal out. She is oxygen. Her function in the group is roughly the same as that of the space bar on a keyboard. That's interesting. <laughs> I'm not so, sure I'm following that I'm not sure that I'm following one. that either. So it's the idea that it's... Hey, relax, man. Just like think if the dude was at your office. Like, yeah, yeah, he's probably not that productive. Yeah. Doesn't but, give a crap. But he serves some sort of value of, hey, look, that guy. You know what? He's probably got it all figured out. <laughs> I don't know, but the, that's the six personality types you need to have a functioning uh, workplace. If you don't have them, get them. By Monday, close of business. You do need all. If you've got a whole bunch of hair on fire, everything's a crisis, but nobody that's going to say, this is fine. We had this a year ago and everything was fine. Right. If you don't have that person or the reverse, right. it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty rough. I've been in those situations myself. Michael's our party animal, of course. That's right. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. You don't think child you would want adult you to be your dad. Wow, that's a mind bender. Let me think about that. I know, because I'd be on to me. Well, (laughs) I certainly got to run around and do more dangerous stuff as a kid than I'm letting my kids do. And I'm not happy about that, but... And I'm trying to fix it. Might be too late. Um... But uh, we were talking about how everybody's woken up to the fact that our playgrounds have become too safe. This idea of making wood chips and uh, foam and no no swings. and They took the slide out of our park. The, the highest slide that all the kids loved, yeah. it was their favorite part of the park for playing like uh, tag. People would run up the slide and stuff like that. A kid fell off and broke his arm. Had to take it away. You can't. One injury, it goes away from the park. And now it's just like there's nothing fun there. But anyway. Mm. That aside, the stuff that I used to do would horrify me if I was if I knew my kids were doing it. Um, I don't really have the we don't really have the life. Well, first of all, if I did the stuff, if my kids did the stuff that I did, the police would call and say, we found your children. Yes. Completely unattended miles from your house. Right. We are hitting you with a child endangerment uh, charge. Yeah. Because my friends and I lived out in the country, and we would just go roaming miles and miles from our house out in the country mm-hmm. and explore an old junkyard full of cars and all this. Oh, sh- wow. Yeah, That's just, cool. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. And stuff like that. And, uh, and you know, I wouldn't want my kids miles from our house uh, crawling around in a junkyard full of all old rusty sharp cars. You know, when I, I'm trying to remember what I must have been seven or younger. But we finally were granted permission, my buddies and I, to ride our bikes to the country store and spend our, you know, dime allowance on whatever, a can of pop or or, or gum or whatever. Um, and it would amuse me to know how far away that country store actually was. It seemed like we were going from, you know, suburban Chicago to, right. you know, southern Indiana. <laughs> but it, it was probably 120 yards. But it was it was a significant ride for little kids. And, 
And we learned all about safety and the rest of it and went off on adventures. It's kind of like when you go back to your childhood home and you're like, this is so much smaller than I remember. Your grandma's home. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. A common one was um, rivers or lakes, creeks. There weren't really rivers, creeks. Well, sometimes rivers, depending on where we were, uh, walking out on the ice and seeing how far we could go before the ice would start to crack. Oh, 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 man, that's freaking me out. Oh, me and my friends, we did that all the time. How far you can go out and, you know. Starting to crack, or your foot goes in the water. Whoa! And you kind of pull yourself out all the freaking time. Like I every thought I day. was a free range kid. Although we did, we were told how to figure out if the ice is solid enough. And of course, you would try Jump up that. And down on it? No, no. Uh, but so kids learned. It was a way to learn not to drown by trying stuff. What is the. I've never been on a frozen pond or anything. What, what's the, the technique? Is there something that I, I should know survival wise going forward? Well, if it makes noise or cracks or anything like that, you need to get and off. Shuffle, of it, but... shuffle forward slowly. Okay. Uh, yeah. And you yeah. can listen. For, you hear the. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. You hear it creak. It's loud. Um, but And I remember there's something about the clarity of it. I mean, if it's super clear, I can't oh, remember. Oh, yeah. The, the, the thicker it is, the whiter it is. Whiter yes. it is. So Right. Um. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I've spent a lot of time walking on ice on water <laughs> and, and hoping I didn't fall through and having my foot go through and then your your pant leg is soaked in freezing water. Oh, oh, yeah. And uh, that, that was just that's what we did all day long. Yeah. Um, and I'd be horrified if my kids were doing that. And then I told him this one just the other day. I had this thing that I did for a while where I would walk from our house. And this is a perfect example of. It seemed like I was miles from home, and it might have been 100 yards. I don't know. But um, I would go, and uh, it was in the, in the woods, and I'd climb up in this tree, and there was this branch that stuck out, and I would climb out on there, and I would hook the back of my jacket on that, on that branch, and I could suspend myself and stick out my arms and legs and pretend I was flying like Superman. And I just loved that. Oh, my gosh. And I, and I did that several days in a row where I'd climb up there, and I was just kind of hanging, and it was such a cool feeling. And wow. then one day, it, I don't remember if my jacket ripped or... Or the branch broke, but I just went wow way to the ground, <laughs> threw all these branches, hit the ground really hard, knocked the wind out of myself, <laughs> trying to catch my breath. The branches around. Do we have tape of that incident, Michael? <laughs> I could get some. What I'm sure. Paying you for in there. And then I finally got my breath. Of course, I never told my parents I did that. I just no. you know I just went home with a ripped jacket or whatever. And you learned something about hanging at the end of branches. Gravity. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I'd be horrified if my kids were probably doing that. Jack would have been starting the the tree branch Superman challenge back in the day. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. That's no, on YouTube. <laughs> I gotta be careful. Kids all over America are getting the wind knocked out of them doing the Superman challenge. I grew up in uh, well, uh, the first couple of years we lived in uh, Illinois. Um, I lived in this apartment complex that was still being built. It was owned by the mob. Is well known, um, but. So it was one gigantic construction site, and it's it was it was actually one of those places that had like one design of apartments. There were probably ten buildings, big buildings, and then like townhouses, then another design of apartments, and it was an ongoing construction zone. And me and my buddies were five, six, seven years old. We would just roam around construction sites all day long. We'd watch the machines, and when the machines went away for the day, we'd we'd climb up on them or. Or go through the the half constructed buildings and climb up in the frames and stuff. And I I can't tell you how many times I stepped on nails and needed tetanus shots. Yeah. It's really an unpleasant memory. But I do remember one thing. I don't remember how we got it. One of the uh, other boys in the hood who I grew up with uh, at the time got hold of a can of gasoline. There you go. And some matches. Awesome. Oh, yeah. And no, we didn't. I, I never, I have never had the desire to wreck stuff. 
But no, we me did, neither. We did find a big puddle, and we would pour gasoline on the puddle oh, geez. and throw a match on it. There you go. Great idea. Now, really strong now, idea. Now, surely you wouldn't... How old were you? Five, six, seven years so, old. Surely you wouldn't want... Your first grader out doing that. Good Lord, no. <laughs> and I wouldn't either. But I learned a great deal about uh, combustion jack and... and um, Skin grafting? And <laughs> eyebrow growth rates. And, <laughs> that was a, an absolutely idiotic idea. On the other hand, I did actually learn what happens when you do that and what it looks like mm-hmm. and then the fumes and the rest of it. And, and I wouldn't advise it. It wasn't great. I was kind of a wild kid, and it sounds like you were too, but there's probably middle ground between complete veal calfism and, 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 and what I was doing. I of course, I was a wild kid. You ask my sister, she never did anything like that. Yeah, see, I don't or think my I, little brother. I don't think I was a wild kid at all. This is just what everybody did. It just was just... You just, there's nothing on TV, and you didn't have Netflix, and so you went and walked around on the river to see if you're going to fall through. So you had adventures. Yeah. 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 And I just said some. Hey, Hanson, did you, living in South Dakota, did you ever do the thing getting pulled behind cars on the snow? No. Because I know that was popular to... with kids, and we had some kid my parents knew broke his neck, and so Ooh. we were never allowed to do that. Oh, but yeah, all my, my friends, parents were hardcore against that, too. But all my friends did that. Yeah, uh, sliding I mean, behind cars. Oh, we Jeez. would just, you know, my buddies would just grab a bumper and just, you know, cars driving by and we just pull, you there know, you just go. with your feet, you know. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Until you hit a spot where yeah. there's no snow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. But my worst injury that I gave myself as a child, um, I'll always remember because it hurts so bad. And when I think about it, it hurts. Um,. Because I'd seen it in the cartoons, the whole stepping on a rake and it pops up in the air. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a classic. And I was, I was, I don't know, I was goofing around with our friends. We were out in the middle of this cornfield. Corn we'd go out in the middle of the cornfield and there'd be like spots where there's no corn and we'd make that our hideout or whatever. Children of the and, corn. And we were out in the middle of nowhere. And um, But anyway, I, I had, there was a... A rake there, and I was going to do the old step on the rake, and it pops up thing. And it Hilarious. Did, it did exactly what it does in the cartoons. Yes. I mean, it f- came up so fast, and that wooden handle hit me on the head. Oh, my God. Oh, oh I can still hear it. Wow. Yeah, I can still hear it. Just, <laughs> oh, rocked my world. Rung your bell. Yeah. Yeah. And it was one of those, they didn't know if it was funny, or they should be worried that I need to go to the hospital. or Nobody ever went to the hospital when I was a kid. It was just not a, really a thing. So. Mm. Duh. Mm. Wow. Wow. You and Wiley Coyote separated it. So then I put springs on my feet and found a cliff. (laughs) Yeah, how'd that go? Well, I played with food coloring as a kid. (laughs) Careful, that'll stain. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. The biggest names in music are on the road heading to our iHeartRadio Music Festival. And this year, they'll be on stage, plugged in, and playing loud. Don't miss Bon Jovi, BTS, Coldplay, Kane Brown, and special guest Khalid, Keith Urban, Migos, Miley Cyrus, Thomas Rhett, Usher, and more. Our 2020 iHeartRadio Music Festival, Friday and Saturday, September 18th and 19th, on iHeartRadio stations across America and CWTV.com. Armstrong and Getty. This is the stuff. Armstrong and Getty. Yeah. But so we're, we're talking about video games on Friday. What's the name of this game, Sean? Uh, the Last of Us 2 is so, the, the, the game that just came out. So I read a review for the... Have you heard? I've never heard of Sounds this. Sounds like a shitty rom-com sequel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is it, is it Tom Hanks or Ben Stiller? Which is it? 
The Last of Us. Had you ever even heard of this? No. I had not. No, sir. So I came across this review in the New York Times, and it and it, it mentioned something in the headline of, you know, the biggest video game of all time making X gazillion dollars or whatever. And I thought, I've never even heard of this video game. Well, the second version of it is out, and the reviewer said... It will make you question everything you hold dear in life. It will make Pardon you. Me? It will make you question the meaning of love, and it, and it quoted several people reviewing this video game, saying, uh, "I played it over the weekend. I still haven't recovered." What? Um, you know, I, I played it for an hour, and I'm still not the same. That my, sort of thing. My friend, who's the uh, same age as me, uh, texted me over the weekend. I would describe the first two hours of The Last of Us Two as emotionally taxing and nerve fraying. Great game. Wow. <laughs> wow, what's the nature of it? Why is it making me question everything I hold dear? And why would I want to? Why would I ever want to do take in any entertainment that I'm still so shaken from a week later I can barely function? <laughs> Uh, the genre of the game is kind of a, a survival horror sort of thing, right? It's a, it's about a, pan, a disease slash zombie thing. All right, it's got a, a disease element, which is one of the reasons it, it's so huge right now. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, and uh, the the plot of the first one, which came out seven years ago, so I'm not worried about spoilers or whatever. Uh, the, the main protagonist is a young girl who gets infected by the disease, but it turns out she has the cure. And you're uh, kind of playing the role of the guardian of her and uh, trying to get her to the place where they can get the get the cure out of her, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, uh, the the ending of that game has a bit of a, a grim finish as um, you've been playing as the protector the whole time. Turns out that the only way to get the the cure for the rest of humanity, they can't do it and have this this girl survive as so well. You got to kill her. No, n- well, that's what they do. You as spoiler the, alert, you being the protector of her, then you kind of flip out as a character and you kill the doctors, and then so you've kind of doomed humanity because you had this connection to this girl, right? And now the sequel is uh, people looking for revenge but, on the guy who did the stuff in the first one. Uh, okay, oh boy. but so you you get um. Obviously, you must get emotionally enough invested in these people that there's some pain involved in, you know, somebody you apparently care about. It, as is, a video game it, character. Is, it is easy to not understand that video games, when done in this way, are as top notch storytelling devices as there are on the planet. All right, sure. And you, you can... are playing an interactive 10 hour movie. Okay, I get that because I have watched movies where the character dies or whatever and you're you're hurt by it. Yes. And you know, nobody says to you or you don't say to yourself it's a movie, you idiot. It's just an actor. It's a script. It's a, the camera there. None of this is real. Right. And so that happening actually in a video game. Okay, so I can that that makes sense to me. It, Spread well, out over many many hours so you get emotionally invested in the story and then something horrible happens. And that's where the questioning love and everything comes from. Uh, well, it, it, it touches on a lot of the, like vengeance and revenge is a big part of the the underlying theme throughout both of these games. Um, uh, people who you thought you could trust not being trustable, right? Like this, you, um, yeah. It it plays with a lot of the human emotions that uh, movies of similar themes would do. So too. as we get better and better with virtual reality and video games and all that sort of stuff. And then these themes of violence and betrayal that make you question everything about life. What is this going to do to us? Um, I'm tempted to say if you have uh, a family, you don't need that because life makes you do that. 
Um, and when everybody was part of a family, I think there'd be less of a, a market for that. It's like you've said, I've said, um, I, when I was raising kids, I did not go to any like tragic movies or hardcore family dramas. Or Why would I? I'm in the middle of one. I'm living one. So I, it may have something to do with, uh, you know, the unmarried childless uh, and making their way through lives and needing some drama. But I don't know. I wonder if there's any chance. Um, it's also fantastic entertainment. You know, I don't in its want way. entertainment that makes me question love. Ever, I don't either. Ever. Yeah. But um, uh, or uh, I wonder if there's any chance of having something like that where people would be able to express the sort of anger we've been seeing in the streets the last couple of weeks, smashing stuff up. But it's all played out on a video game, smashing stuff up and getting your revenge and righting wrongs. Wow, now you got my attention. So it's not causing violence, it's it's letting off the steam that can cause it. Or or you would be or or would you be practicing that muscle in a safe environment (sighs) and then taking it to the street to burden? I don't know. I really don't know. That's a great question. I think a lot goes into the participant of it as someone who has played numerous violent video games and have kind of during those course thing oh that's a weird impulse that i had there of in this digital thing yeah really give it to him right like mm-hmm. but I, I i am among the least violent people i've ever encountered yeah, no in my I'm, life. I'm not a knee jerk uh and there there the studies don't exist that make it clear that these video games are going to you know really warp you <laughs> so right we'll have to wait and you know i don't know i don't know but, yeah. I, have, but I have felt that I don't know if placebo is the right word of it in these uh, aggressive video games, kind of feeling that same sort of ah, afterwards, similar to like, if I'm going at it at a punching bag, right? Uh-huh. Like it, it, I've, I've felt similar uh, decompression of my own hmm. psyche. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't think yeah. I, go ahead. Well, I don't, I, I don't worry about you because you're a reflective person. You think about yourself and your reactions. Right, a lot of people right. don't. And I do need to point out that <clears throat> in Dave Grossman's fabulous book on killing, he points out that, the real breakthrough in training soldiers to actually shoot at the enemy. Because back in World War II, they figured out it was barely 20% of people with guns who actually shot at the enemy with the intent to, shoot, to hurt them. They would shoot up in the air, over their heads, because people don't want to hurt other people, except for, you know, psychopaths. Um, and the way they broke through was in making targets much more realistic and later using video training and the rest of it where you're actually shooting humans. So you become uh, used to not shooting at a, at a bullseye target like they did back in all the wars before where guns were involved, but actual humans to de, uh, what's the term? Desensitize. De- desensitize you to actually shooting human beings. So I, I do worry about that. And it might be one kid out of 25 who, having been somewhat desensitized to human beings, also has a murderous impulse and goes out and, and mm-hmm. does it in a school or something. But I don't think there's no effect on But people. were they going to do it anyway? Well, no. Uh, no. My His argument would be they might want to, but they would still find mm. the act abhorrent enough they couldn't go through with it. So the person that's between Dylan Roof, I hate to know any, even know any of these people's names, but yeah. the person that's between him and normal. Yeah. That might not have done it otherwise. Yeah. And it's impossible to put percentages on this. You know, 8% of the kids who want to kill all their classmates have been influenced by video games. Mm-hmm. To go ahead and I don't know. I also feel compelled to say that, that my mom had a huge part in this and that she would, when I got new video games, she would sit next to me as I played it and would kind of talk about what she saw and, huh. and would have 
conversations about the things and I, as I advanced from your Mario Brothers and your Sonic the Hedgehogs up to more kind of, you know. <laughs> We're doing a lot of Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, that's great games. Love yeah. those. Um, more to, you know, more teen and adult style games. She was there kind of saying, well, that, well, that's over the top, right? Just kind of right. pointing out things that are obvious, but it was important to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will also report watching my son, who's a, a very gentle person, um, playing Grand Theft Auto yes. was hilarious. <laughs> and the, the violence is so stupid and over the top and obviously just it's just dumb. That it didn't strike me as threatening. It was just funny. On the other hand, he was not eleven year olds, eleven years old, and unsupervised at the time. Correct. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's funny. My son always says that. Uh, well, some of the kids at school play Grand Theft Auto or whatever the buying game is, and I say, which ones? He says, well, all the idiots do. And I said, yeah, all the idiots who are idiots because they got no parents mm-hmm. that are paying attention to them have those games, which yeah. is going to continue them on their path of being idiots through their lives. Yeah. It's not an accident how that all fits together. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.